This is August 23rd, 2020, and uh, the, the title of today's Teisho could be Thriver's Guilt. Um, this has been building for a while, uh, in, in the last, well, much of the time during the pandemic, uh, when it started, um, people were reporting what I expected. They were having a rough time, uh, having a rough time with transition in late March and April. I had some difficulty myself for the first week or two just getting my footing after almost half a century of being embedded in this highly structured training environment <coughs> training environment of the center to suddenly uh, be out of it, be at home all the time. And uh, other people were also reporting problems. Um, dread. I think there was a lot of dread about what was coming. Fear. Um, some people uh, were struggling financially and uh, in other ways. But then I began hearing more and more people talk about the kind of contentment they were feeling. And some of them were saying it almost sheepishly, like, what's, what's going on here? This is a plague. How can I be feeling happy? And then, not long ago, I ran across an article in the New York Times called It's Okay to Feel Okay Right Now. Uh, this is August 17th, last week, I guess. Uh, and uh, the author, Char Adams, uh, reported the same thing. Uh, she, she said that after the initial difficulty, she... Uh, she began feeling grateful for how well she was doing on uh, lockdown. I'll read here from the article, just bits of it. My feelings of gratefulness were fleeting. I was quickly overwhelmed with a bizarre form of survivor, gu survivor guilt as my friends and peers lost jobs, cared for sick family members, and more. How could I be doing well while the people I care for suffer? How dare I? And is it right to feel good during such a horrific time? And then just to paraphrase here, uh, she says that uh, feeling bad about feeling good is common. It's called a meta-emotion a feeling that occurs in response to other feelings. It's, she says that these secondary feelings 
are powerful because they are linked to depression and can be an indicator of our level of emotional awareness. More about that in just a minute. This, uh, there was a study about this by uh, one, of the, one of the co-authors of the study, uh, Natasha Balin of Washington University in St. Louis, said, Our study shows that people tend to report more meta-emotions when they're paying more attention to their emotions in general. And right now, People have a lot more time than they're used to, to notice what they're thinking and feeling. I think meta-emotions could be more common right now due to COVID. Uh, I would just suggest that meta-emotions are probably more common among meditators. Um, because paying attention to what we're feeling. Uh, just a couple other things from this article um, about about this survivor's guilt. I think it's a social comparison thing. Uh, she quotes one one man. Uh, no one likes to feel like an outlier. You see a lot of fear, a lot of anger and pain going on. If you feel like, wow, this doesn't match my experience, you conclude, there must be something wrong with me. I must be a monster. Well, that's pretty strong. But let's just stick with a feeling of, uh, of guilt. Here's a little more from the article. People who had led very busy, active lives in their work and social lives, they were enjoying the downtime. People who were working from home, there was a sense of, okay, everyone, just do what you can. We're not going to hold you to the same standards we did before. And that was a nice thing for people. And then she quotes a, a Dr. Kermayer, a clinical psychologist from Montreal, who said that this variation of survivor survivor guilt manifests in three ways avoidance irritability and self-absorption when we experience emotions that feel overwhelming or confusing our natural tendency is to avoid thinking about the things that make us uncomfortable avoid having difficult conversations and even to avoid the people in our lives who are suffering when these emotions go unmanaged, they can wreak havoc on our relationships, she said. And then she just said, also said, the experience of shame is really a powerful force for disconnection. When we're feeling this storm of emotions, we can get caught up in that and we're less able to support the people around us. That's the key thing. That's the real, what's really at stake here, the ability to support others around us. And then she finally says, we're not taught that we can have conflicting emotions and how to have conflicting emotions. 
I've always felt that a, a, a key measure of um, mental health or uh, integration, emotional integration, is being able to acknowledge and hold uh, these contradictory uh, feelings, or these conflicting parts of ourselves, uh, which is uh, one of the, the, the real benefits of doing psychotherapy. Uh, you become aware of feelings that you had perhaps suppressed or felt too much shame about, and, uh, and you, you, you get to the point where you can accept them. You can live uh, as someone who has different sides and different emotions. And this also, from a Buddhist perspective, is health. That's, that's good. But first we have to be aware of these things. And, and uh, that's one reason why I'm talking about this, is because um, I have heard from... Uh, I've heard from, I've heard about contentment and happiness from a lot more people these last five months than I've heard of suffering. But I have, I have heard uh, concern about others' suffering. So then, those of us who do feel greater happiness now than before, greater contentment. Let's, let's just look at why. What, what, how so? Well, it is admittedly a kind of privilege. And, and, and let's say right off the bat that this Teisho uh, is really aimed at people who are privileged enough for the following, in the following ways, people who are retired, people who are healthy and whose families are healthy. If, if, if you're not retired, then you're privileged enough to be able to work from home, which, which means really, uh, according to a statistic I just read, only 60% of Americans are able to work from home. So then there's that other 40%. But right now, we're talking about the privileged of us. You're privileged if you... You're privileged by having greater flexibility in your daily life. You, you have greater control over when and where your work gets done and how your daily life is scheduled greater um, choice uh, in when to eat, when to exercise, when to nap, when to meditate. We can be, be more contented now during this horrible plague uh, by finding a new relationship to time. A, a greater spaciousness and ease, and openness with time. It, it comes with, there's a downside to that. I, 
I've heard from also quite a few people uh, that uh, they're just losing track of time. Um, the days get all confused. Um, but there is that greater ease. Uh, I read somewhere that for uh, people who are working, people of color who are working, they might even get some relief from what they experience as microaggressions at work. At work specifically, because uh, that's where you have to find your way to get along with uh, people who otherwise you might not choose to be with. So uh, these microaggressions, or, or even just, as this writer said, just the discomfort of being the only person of color there where you work. Other reasons that people may feel more, more happiness now is if they have no children at home they have to be concerned about. No concern about child care, no concern about school closings. What a what a what a Sophie's choice. What a, what a difficult this thing is now uh, to be a parent of school aged children and have to choose between sending your child to school and the risk that involves, or keeping them home and and uh, the problems with that. Other other reasons we can feel happy now is if certainly if we have enough savings and we're not we have enough savings that we're not awake at night wondering how we're going to pay bills and if we have also no small thing if we have the means to be eating in a healthy way but maybe most of all uh, if if we're we're, we're healthy um, and and isn't it natural, a natural human response um, to be relieved when, when we're hearing about all of this sickness and death, isn't it natural that we'd be relieved that we're healthy? And that, that too is maybe a big part of this uh, thriver's guilt is uh, thinking maybe we, we, we shouldn't be happy that we're healthy. Why not? Why should we make it so complicated? As long as we're not losing sight of others who are suffering, then why not enjoy our good fortune in all these ways? And then there is uh, sort of a <laughs> a uh, subset of happiness that uh, is more on the dark side, 
which is uh, what the Germans call Schadenfreude. Uh, literally, this, the joy in other people's misfortune or sorrow. Now, that's, that's not something any of us would boast about. I want to, want to tell others that we feel some pleasure or delight in others' misfortune. But I suppose there could be people, even who knows, one or two in the Sangha, uh, who might um, feel a little, little spike of pleasure at hearing that uh, people who aggressively, angrily uh, refuse to wear masks and, and in doing so, putting others at risk, that they might get COVID. I'm waiting to hear how many of these uh, bikers at the uh, huge motorcycle rally in uh, South Dakota somewhere thousands of them, none wearing masks. I'm waiting to hear how that's going to turn out. All right, so, so there are plenty of reasons why those of us who are, are privileged enough uh, to be managing well with this pandemic there are many reasons uh, to feel this this contentment, but then here comes the problem: is the the paradox of this personal contentment coexisting with all of this medical misery and economic and psychological suffering that's going on. So that sets up a, a kind of a, a real conflict, and uh, it doesn't have to be guilt. Guilt, let's just say, um, guilt itself is really of no use. What guilt? What what use do we get out of guilt in itself? It's it's. It's toxic. There are probably hundreds of millions of people, maybe it's a majority of human beings who uh, experience guilt at different times, especially people with a Catholic background. My, my formerly Catholic wife tells me. Um, but, but consider it from the point of view of the Dharma. And this is this really uh, accentuates this paradox. In the deepest sense, there is just this: this moment here. So when we are fully absorbed in what we're doing. Where are, where are there others?
What else is real? Where are these others? Right here, right in this room. Either the room that you're hearing this or the room that I'm speaking. Where are those others? Where is the future? Where is the past? There's just this. This uh, reminded me of a koan in the one of the koan collections we we use. Uh, it's uh, the Shoyo Roku, the uh, Book of Serenity, uh, number eighty-one. It's called Shuansha Reaches the Provinces. Here's how it reads: Shuansha must be a, a master. They wouldn't have his his name, his proper name, if he were just an ordinary monk. Shuansha came to Pudian province and was welcomed with lavish entertainment. The next day he asked the head priest, All the revelry of yesterday, where has it gone? The priest held out a corner of his robe. And then Shuansha said, there's no connection at all. So without going further into this koan, much less explaining it, uh, I think anyone can appreciate that this is emphasizing this realm of justice. No, no others. This is the you know we talk about uh, otherism. I've had many shows in the last few years where I've mentioned that that phrase. It can be a terribly um, damaging, harmful thing uh, to become attached to seeing others as a part, not separate from oneself, those of, of other religions, other races, other ethnicities, other uh, gender uh, identification. It's a terrible, terrible uh, scourge in today's world, this otherism. Um, and this is sort of the extreme antidote. It just, it's just this. Everything else is thoughts, notions. But from a Buddhist point of view, that's just half the equation. That's what we call the absolute. The, the ultimate. The realm of non-differentiation. And then there's the other side, which is the realm of others, differentiation. And that, no, no matter how happy we may be, that is very real. How can we 
ignore all of the suffering in the world and now these last this year more than any other year in our lifetime just to mention a few things um, there was this uh, aid program that was put into place uh, I don't know three months ago to help people $1,200 checks or something or other to help people get by and now this is expired they've been bickering about this in Congress and uh, there's no replacement right now so that that aid is has been cut off and even before that there were more and more parents reporting that they were having trouble giving their children enough to eat enough to eat this is horrible and now this food insecurity I guess they call it this is gonna be even worse with the egg cut off and and also uh, we're gonna see a what Paul Krugman called a huge wave of evictions due to families no longer getting the money they need for rent and because there, there was a, a ban on evictions uh, and that's just expired just like uh, supplemental unemployment benefits also just expired so Krugman says so even if the pandemic were to subside which we know it's not about to we're about to see a huge surge in national misery it's something uh, analogous it, it seems to me to how well the stock market is doing uh, in comparison to all the other uh, economic indicators and what uh, most of our fellow citizens are are facing so we're back to this this paradox let's make it a dilemma and uh, and honestly I don't I can't say with authority that what we will we should be doing um, you know in Zen we talk about the importance of of uh, just losing ourselves and what we're doing um, that's huge that's a huge factor talk about happiness and contentment it's a huge part of that is not being taken over by our thoughts about others and other times and other places so we can't give that up but then what about all the others
back to guilt. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with feeling guilt. It's drop the right and wrong. It's, it's just not helpful unless we can move forth from that. If we can, if we can go from guilt, from just wallowing in our guilt, if we can go from that to action, to, to engage in helping others, then it's, it's not bad if we don't dwell in it. That's always the point in Zen, not dwelling in our emotions. If we feel a pang of guilt arise because of how privileged we are at this time, then let's, let's use our privilege to get engaged in helping others. This is, uh, this is uh, the hands and eyes of the Bodhisattva of Compassion. The eyes or the ears, sometimes ears, eyes and ears uh, are awareness, not just being, having our head stuck in the sand or, or being lost in our own exquisite contentment, but having, being aware of what's going on around us. And then the hands part, of course, is responding. This is uh, kind of the mantra of uh, the monitors here, the Zendo monitors in Sashin or outside Sashin is notice and respond. It starts with noticing. That's the eyes and the ears. We can't do anything until we notice. We know this from our own practice, from sitting. We can't, we can't get anywhere until we notice that the mind has wandered. And then the response. It, it raises the question also of how, how if we're really tending to our own business and that of our family, if we're really one with what we're doing, how do we acquire awareness about this? Well, through news. But then, how much news is it wise to consume? That's another thing I've heard from people and, and had my own experience with that is, at what point does news uh, just become a burden and, and, and without use? I think a lot of people are are struggling with that now, with more time on their hands to to be online, <clears throat> to surf different news platforms. Um, I think a nice antidote to news, or at least an excess of uh, excessive digestion of news, is is to. Uh, learn about history. I've said that before in a couple of shows, so I won't say any more, but it really does help put things in perspective because, because news can just suck you down into all kinds of misery as it is. 
Maybe that's why some people overdo it with news is they out of they feel that they don't deserve to be happy and so they go there. But but there is value to it in terms of staying aware. So how do we respond knowing that there are so many people who are suffering? Now that's, that's, of course, what each person has to struggle with or manage. I mean, even volunteering, volunteer opportunities now, or at least in-person volunteer opportunities are, are quite limited now during the pandemic. I found this out when I um, I called our local food bank, uh, f- uh, Food Link, Food Link, yeah, and uh, said that I'd like to volunteer, but but specifically to go down there to their warehouse and do hands-on work, and uh, they were they thanked me, and then and then they asked, uh, well, are you over sixty? And uh, when I said yes, and they said, well, we can't take the chance uh, now during this time of the pandemic. They said, uh, don't call us, we'll call you. My wife too is, uh, has reduced her, her work week and is, um, starting to get into volunteer work. Um, So, yeah, what can we do? What can we do to help? That's, That's our mandate as Mahayana Buddhists. What can we do to serve, to help? And just feeling guilty, passively guilty, doesn't do a damn thing. Meanwhile, those who are experiencing this contentment need to remember that uh, it will change. That like, like all circumstances, all conditions, all body-mind conditions, certainly that means happiness, um, we can't rely on it to continue forever or very long. I mean, we, we, we certainly know that the, the, the pandemic is still a risk to all of us. We have to be attentive, be mindful of, of uh, measures we take, wearing masks, washing hands, all you know what, all those things. But uh, we know that <laughs> even if our, our, our good health and financial stability and everything else were uh, to continue for decades, eventually we're going to die. So this this is just a temporary um, 
high point. I even think of the weather. We've had a a beautiful summer here in, in uh, western New York. Um, and, the, and the pandemic um, has so far has been a a, a spring-summer phenomenon. It's uh, We've been spared the worst cold weather to deal with this. But, but the cold is coming, and the dark is coming. And in those months, fall and winter, we also are going to find it harder to exercise uh, if if the uh, if what we're seeing now is the reopening, if that's going to reverse, then those of us who are used to exercising in gyms uh, are again going to have that taken away from us, and and in this in this climate, uh, it's going to be harder than ever to exercise outdoors. Not to mention the the flu season, the ordinary flu season coming before too long. And if the presidential candidate of our choice loses dot 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 the uh, the suffering could be compounded a great deal before next spring. Uh, you know the 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 six realms of unenlightened existence. Uh, there is this the highest realm. This is unenlightened existence. The highest realm is what they call the deva realm, which is a realm of uh, pleasure, contentment, happiness, ease, uh, wealth, prosperity, good health. Um, it's just seen as another temporary state that we can slip off of. People who are privileged enough to be able to find contentment in these circumstances, uh, let's let's say it right out. We're reaping the rewards of our good karma, but we're also draining our good karma unless we also soar, sow, unless we sow helpful action unless we, we, we engage ourselves with those who are suffering. And as far as responding, as far as uh, the action part, the compassion part of this, just as in itself is a response. I know for some people this is hard to believe. What are you doing to help other people when your legs are crossed? But, uh, yeah, and such people who have these doubts will just have to take this on faith that we're doing a great deal uh, just through our zazen to the degree that our sitting is free of thoughts. That's always the qual qualification there. 
uh, if we're just sitting and chewing on our thoughts, then no, we're not doing much to help others. But to be able to sit beyond thought, to sit no-mindedly, this is, we're, we're as, as a Zen Master Dogen put it way back in the 13th century, this is serving as a beacon to bring light into the darkness that has deepened and broadened so much all around the world now. So Zazen itself is engaging. And then anything beyond that in the world of activity is just extra. I've used the word privilege a lot this morning. Let's just remember that the ultimate privilege, and this is open to anyone of any circumstances, the ultimate privilege is having found the Dharma. Sitting every day, and not just sitting, but doing our best to maintain our practice, our practice of, of awareness and uh, our practice of refraining from dwelling in our thoughts, this Zen practice can make all the difference in how we get through this dark period. All the difference. This is the privilege that is open to all of us. Granted, uh, some people will have less time for sitting than others. I think of, of parents, I think of people trying to hold down one or two jobs and, and uh, under all kinds of strain. Such people are going to be able to find less time to sit, but, but everyone can sit a little bit. And the difference it can make is amazing. The resilience it brings. Because our, our experience of the world is very much a function of the mind. It's, it's, it's not just our circumstances, whether we're rich or poor or healthy or not. It's the mind. This is what determines more than anything else our degree of suffering or absence of suffering. So let's let's make hay while the sun shines and sit. Don't give that up. Give up anything else but not sitting and what follows from the sitting in our daily lives. And let's look for ways to fulfill the four vows the first of the four vows in particular, um, all beings without number I vow to liberate. Let's find ways to, to follow up with that, uh, certainly by sitting, but then any other ways that we can find. Our time is up now. We'll stop and recite the four vows. <laughs> 